So Ephesians 6. Let's go there. Let's finish strong. It's been a short series, and honestly, we could extend it. I think the armor of God and, and knowing about the spiritual warfare that we're fighting is one of the most fundamental studies that a young Christian needs to go through, and it's also one that mature Christians need to revisit over and over and over. We never outgrow our armor. We're always trying to grow into it and be one with the armor because what we're doing is we're putting on Christ. So remember our key verses from verses 10 and 11. Or if you're joining us for the first time in this, this series, I will let you know what those key verses are. To be strong in the Lord and to stand firm in the power of his might. To put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the, steam, the schemes of the devil. And for our first few weeks, we saw that there is really a spiritual war going on around us. It's not really one you can see with your eyes, but a battle for the heart. The human heart is the battleground where this takes place. The clash between the forces of evil excuse me, and darkness that would like to keep us blind and keep us on the losing side, the side fighting against God. And then there is the power of the gospel. That's breaking through. And the Holy Spirit opens eyes and ears to the truth. And for those that repent and put their faith in Jesus, we are now covered. We're covered with the grace of Jesus. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And we're given armor. We're literally in an army. We're in Christ's army. We're given the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And our feet are, are covered with readiness of the gospel, with the good news of peace that we can bring to all people. And this week we will see four more crucial elements to our coverage and to our, our victory in Jesus. We see the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and one that is often neglected or, or looked over, and that is our communication with our commander, that is prayer. How we are to be in prayer at all times in this battle. So let's pick up at verse 16 in Ephesians 6. In all circumstances, take up that shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that's the Apostle Paul, and that is actually the conclusion of the body of his letter in Ephesians 6. After that, it's his, his parting farewell and his greetings. That is how Paul finishes the, uh, the epistle to the Ephesians. And that will also wrap up our text on spiritual warfare. But our main takeaway from that text, I hope you saw it. It's not just my opinion. It's from the living word of God. But soldiers of Christ, we must embrace the whole armor of God and enjoy his protection. Soldiers of Christ must embrace the whole armor of God and enjoy his complete protection. Look at that. The shield of faith. We're told in all circumstances of life, you've got to take up the shield of faith. 
Now, there are two kinds of shields used in those days in warfare by the Roman soldiers. The first, I think, I think kids, you'll, you'll appreciate this, is kind of like Captain America's shield. Like a round, frisbee-like shield. And that's what the Roman soldiers would wear in close hand-to-hand -hand combat. Because if you're swinging your swords and you're fighting your enemy hand-to-hand, you've got to have something ready so you can, you can strike, but then you can defend. So that's one shield the Romans used. But that's not the shield that Paul's talking about here. The shield he is talking about is a little bit bigger. Okay, so we have a, it, 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 history tells us it was about a four and a half foot tall shield. And it was two and a half feet wide. So think this big rectangle. If I were to hold it right here and duck just a little bit, it would cover my entire body. Huge shield. And it was made out of either one plank of wood or two planks of wood put together. And it was curved a bit. Okay? You didn't want it totally flat because then that means that every arrow that hits your shield, you know, it's going to push you back. But it was curved so that the arrows would hit and they would slide off and go backwards. So you got, you got more protection there and, and it would allow you to keep moving forward. Now this shield also was, had iron around the edges and in the center for strength. So it wasn't just wood. There's iron with it. And if that wasn't heavy enough, guess what? They drenched the shield in water. What if I drench a shield in water? Because if you're using this shield, it's at the beginning of the battle, or when there's a siege going on, and you have volleys of arrows being shot at you by the enemy, and they would dip those arrows in pitch, in tar, and light them on fire. So imagine flaming arrows streaking through the sky coming right at you. Would you rather have the little shield? Or would you rather have the big shield and duck behind that one? I'm going to take the big shield. And I love how the Apostle Paul says, in all circumstances of life, you've got to take up that shield. Well, so what is that shield? Well, for the Christian, it's our faith. Shield of faith. There's possessive there. It's not shield of wood for the Christian because we're fighting a, a spiritual battle against the enemy. Faith is our shield. Or another word you could use is trust or allegiance. Our allegiance is to our King Jesus. We, and we trust him. Christ is our protection. And there are several verses from the Bible that talk about our protection. So, so write these down. You can study these later for a cross-reference. Genesis 15.1 tells us, do not fear God says, I will be a shield for you. That word shield. In Psalm 18, too, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shield. So it's the, it's, the, it's the human saying that I know the Lord is my shield, and I'm speaking that truth. Like the song we sang, this we know. I know. The Lord is my shield. And here's even better news, Psalm 1830. The Lord will be a shield to anyone who asks him. So, yes, I'm, I'm very thankful as a soldier of the cross, uh, as a servant of Jesus, I have a shield. But you know what? You can have a shield, too. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, you're given the same equipment. You have the same ability to quench all of the darts of the evil one. Now, of course, if we were talking about an, an actual shield extinguishing the flaming darts, which is Paul's analogy here, 
Like I said before, you have those volleys of arrows shooting right at you. Now, what's the enemy trying to do when he just launches all of these arrows at you? Well, in an actual battle, they're trying to disrupt the, army, army, uh, the, the enemy, kill them, hopefully. But if nothing else, if you have flaming arrows getting shot at you, that's a little bit scary. And then let's say some of those arrows fly off kind of towards your face and, and you have some burning pitch and you have some fire that's trying to get in your face. Wouldn't that distract you just a little bit from, from fighting the battle? I don't like fire in my face. When we make a campfire, we have s'mores and that smoke starts up. I wanna, I wanna step further back. In fact, we got some, we got some uh, forks for our s'mores that will extend further so we can stand further back from the smoke. I don't like that in my face. I know you don't either. That's what would happen in the actual battle. In the spiritual battle, Satan and his forces are trying to do the same thing, but for our mind and our heart. I'm gonna throw so much junk at you and the worries and the fears that already were residing in our heart because we used to be enemies of God and we used to be fearful beings, not in love with our creator, not right with him. But I'm gonna throw enough stuff at you that that is going to be your response. I want fear to be your response. I want stress and I want the pressure to make you freak out, to run away, to drop the shield of faith and to not trust the promises of God. This is our enemy strategy. So don't let it work. Yes, there are missiles coming through the air and oftentimes when you least expect it, but there's good news. Our shield will give us full coverage. So it's not a matter of, well, I can't sleep at night because I don't know what, what missile Satan is gonna launch at me during the night or tomorrow. I don't know what, what that next phone call is gonna bring. If we have our shield of faith up, God has got me. He's protecting me. When he says all things will work together for good, for the glory of God and the good of those who love Christ Jesus, that's true. And Satan will whisper to you, no, 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 you can't trust God on this one. God's not going to provide for you on this one. Oh, that thing that happened to your house that's going to empty your bank account or, or that loss of that loved one or you know your, your child develops that sickness. Oh, this is beyond God's grace. This is beyond God's protection. Just put down the shield and, and do things, figure things out for yourself. It's a lie. God has always seen us through. 1 Peter 5, 9 tells us, resist those temptations. Resist those lies by being firm in the faith. Can Satan get God to break his word? Not a chance. We certainly can't get God to break his word. So would I rather trust Satan and his lies in those situations, or would I rather trust the one who's always kept his word? So resist it. Pick up that shield. Cling to the promises of God. We are protected. We have his complete protection. And I love how Paul says, in all the circumstances of life, we go through different seasons in life, don't we? Age. Obviously, as we get older, we face different seasons. And our relationships look different. Where we live looks different. And, and the temptations that we face are different. In all the circumstances of life, Maybe you're sitting here and things have been going really well for you lately. It's tempting to start walking a little bit more cockily. Maybe we don't hold our shield up as high. I'm doing pretty good. 
these other Christians, they don't have their act together. So you start marching a little bit farther forward, ahead of the pack. Then those arrows start flying. And you realize, ah, maybe I'm not clinging as tightly to Christ as I thought I was. There are those seasons. There's also other seasons where we feel so discouraged and so just devastated by the enemy that we just sit down. We put our shield to the side and we feel completely worthless and helpless in God's plan. We need the shield of faith up in those moments too. Because it's God's promises that see us through. Faith is not something I produce. Faith is a response to the promises of God. Like you sitting in your chair today. It's not how well you sit in your chair that's going to hold you up. It's the integrity of the chair. Your faith is, this chair was built. I trust it to hold me up. Put up the shield of faith. Trust that God's promises will come true. That the gospel is our power and God's salvation for us. Too many Christians have thought on the other end of a big trial that they failed. And they failed miserably and fell into sin and, and wrecked relationships or hurt people. You ask them, how did it get to that point? I just, I never thought that would happen to me. Doesn't matter how mature you are in your Christian faith. We have to have the shield up. I try to think of our culture. How does culture try to get us to put our shield down? What are some of those deceptive lies? One of them is what you do with your body. That's your business. What does God care what you do with your body? Enjoy that relationship. Do what do comes naturally. I mean, after all, don't you have to get to know that person before you can really commit? Test things out a little bit. Enjoy those casual relationships. But we're told in Proverbs 7 that it's actually the fool who gets persuaded by that talk. And the loose woman, you know, it's characterized by a woman here, is often in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is personified as a woman, but also adultery personified as a woman. So that the <laughs> adulterous woman, with persuasive words, she leads the fool astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Well, that sure sounds good. Do what feels good to you. But what if you knew an arrow is going to come and split your side because of that decision? You don't get to choose the consequences. So listen to the word of God. Have faith in God's plan, in his design for man and woman for intimacy and relationships, for our family and how we raise our family, trust the word. And you will see the blessings that come from that. And church, here's one cool thing about those shields. Let's go back to the Roman shield. Those big rectangles, they also had a little bit of technology built in where soldiers could stand side by side and they could link those shields together. So you have a front wall of shields linked together. Then you have the soldiers who are in the second row and they hold their shields up. So this is like the early, uh, most civilized version of a tank in the ancient days. So if you think, oh, shield of faith, that's just a, a defensive piece of armor. Oh no. When we link our shields together and we trust God's promise, we're moving. We're on the offense. 
Soldiers of Christ, arise. We're taking ground for the kingdom of God. And what I love is it's, it's both our individual faith stories, but it takes a unit to work together, to protect each other, to help someone when they've been wounded and lift them up. And we're encouraged by how God is working in each of our stories. So one person comes in on Sunday morning. They've had a terrible, tough week. Someone else comes in. They come alongside. Encourage them in the faith. We meet for small groups. We link arms together. We pray for what are you really going through? Because if you're just putting on a front, everything's fine, but it's really terrible. We can't help you as well as we can. We can't pray for you specifically and seek God's power working through you. If you're just failing and hurting and you feel like you're all alone, you're not. We're together. And church, we're taking ground for the kingdom here in North Sarasota. We're going to take the gospel to every corner of our community. By God's grace, we're going to take it to the world as well. God is our protection. Here's another piece of armor. Don't leave home without it. The helmet, which is salvation. The helmet of salvation. How important is a helmet? It's, it's a pretty basic tool. Back then, Roman soldiers would wear a bronze or an iron helmet. It would have cheek pieces, maybe a nose guard, but typically they tried to leave the face uncovered to maximize visibility. But for sure, the helmet would wrap around, cover the top of their head, the sides of their head. They even had a neck plate. So if someone comes up from behind you, yeah, okay, your neck's covered. You've you, you got your breastplate on, you got your neck covered as well, so you're good. There's also something really cool that I love about Roman helmets, is they had a crest on top. Have you seen those? Yeah. They've got the crest, and then they've got the horse hair in it. And it just looks so cool. You know what that does for protection? Absolutely nothing. But it identifies them as being a Roman soldier. And it brings encouragement and strength to the group. When you see a mass of those helmets with the crest marching towards you, if you're an enemy, you're going to freak out a little bit. It just looks fierce. It looks powerful. And you know which side you're on because you're wearing the helmet. That's why we need to remember our helmet of salvation. Oh, another interesting fact. Their helmets were ventilated. They had this figured out 2,000 years ago. They had a ventilation system. And we still can't figure out helmets for the NFL today and what's the most advanced. <laughs> but they had ventilation back then. And this is incredible. So it was advanced protection for the era. And I love that our helmet of salvation is actually as advanced a technology as you're going to find. Seems so simple. It's a helmet, right? Of course, I'm not going to let anything hit my head. And yet, how we think and the hope that we have for our daily lives, we get that from the salvation that Jesus has given us. And it's a salvation that was true and good yesterday and today and forever. It doesn't get outdated. Two years from now, you don't need to swap out your helmet for another one. It's still good. We're told in Revelation 13, 8, that Jesus is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Before God created anything, he knew what man and woman were going to do to the world. He knew the brokenness that was going to happen as a result of sin. And he was already committed to provide hope for all people through his son, Jesus Christ. That's always been the plan. It was not plan B or C. 
which means the good news that we have to offer, it's not just something that will help someone's life, it will change and transform their life. This is, this is the power of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. And we know that when Christ returns, he is going to know immediately who are his. And he will take them securely with him. We've got the helmet on, even if you can't see it. Holy Spirit's inside of us. God knows those who are his. Do you know it? Do you daily put on that helmet reminding yourself, I'm a child of God. I put my faith in Jesus and he's not let me down. Now, it's, it's, it's an important thing for us to consider. Am I genuinely saved? I'm not just going through the motions, not just going to church and assuming that I'm a Christian. I need to know that I have genuine faith in Jesus, like you have faith in your chair right now. But if you do, then there's no going back. And there's no losing it. He's on our hearts, and his hope is on our mind. So when Satan tries to tell you, oh, you know, that Christianity thing... That worked for your grandma, but it's not going to work in today's culture. It's 2023. No one's going to listen to you. And it makes you doubt. Oh, my goodness. Is the gospel enough? Put that helmet on. And every single day, you will see God's giving me more than enough. It reminds me of when I played football back in high school. That was a, that was a ways back. Um, but it was so fun. I got so many good memories from football. I know my parents came to a lot of games when I played a little bit in college. Lacey came and cheered me on, too. We weren't dating yet in high school. We, we didn't meet until college. But when you play football, what's an important piece of your uniform? Your helmet. In fact, they won't let you on the field and play without it because that would be really harmful to your head to try to jump in there and tackle somebody without a helmet on. So when you play regularly, you can just tell the guys who play from the guys who are standing on the sideline most of the game by how they wear or hold their helmet. If they're a regular, if they're in every other play or most every play, they've got their helmet on. Or if they're ready to go in, they have their helmet on, but maybe it's propped up a little bit. But they're ready. The second coach turns to them, because you got a long sideline there. You need to be ready. Coach tells you, get in the game. You've got 30 seconds on this play clock, maybe 20 by the time the coach makes up his mind with the play. You've got to get in there. You've got to be ready to run the play. And if you're looking for your helmet, you missed it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you how many times we have one of those scrawny freshmen on the side. They've been to every practice. They've been to all the games. They are so excited for their chance to play, but they get used to sitting on the sidelines. So they put their helmet back on the bench, or uh, you know maybe they kind of sit down on the ground and they're holding the Gatorade, and they, then they wander a little bit watching the game. And coach says, hey, Justin, you ready to go in? Where's your helmet? <laughs> you just see the panic all over the freshman's face. Not funny. You know, and, and then, yeah, yeah, and you know, typically the guy they're looking at, like, hey, can I have your helmet? No, I'm going in. I'm going in the next play too. So it's a panic moment, and the coach makes a decision. You're not ready. Turns to the guy next to you. You got your helmet. Get in there, Christian. How much are we missing out on? because we're forgetting our helmet. If it takes us eight hours every day to figure out, does God really got me today? And is my salvation enough today? You're paralyzed. You're not making any progress on the battlefield. That's why first thing in the morning, 
get that helmet on. Remind yourself. I, I wear this bracelet right here. It's got the gospel on it. I can't forget it. I sleep with it on. When I'm out and talking with people, they ask me, what's, what's this about? It gives me opportunities to share. But you and I have to remember, I've got to put my helmet, I've got to keep my hope in Christ. And he's enough for today. Because you'll never know when you get an opportunity to share about Christ, getting your coffee at Panera, or picking up some, some, dry, excuse me, picking up some dry cleaning or a package. And someone asks you, why are you so chipper today? <laughs> I don't know. Deer in the headlights. I, I haven't really been thinking about it. But if I wake up in the morning, thank you, God, for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy that covers all my mistakes. Why are you so happy today? Jesus has just been so good to me. I'm messed up, but man, he has loved me and he gave his life for me. Just rolls off your, because your helmet's on. Your team Jesus can't help but proclaim the good news. So keep your helmet on and keep putting it on over and over and over again. Third piece of armor is the sword of the spirit. This is a good one. They're all good ones. But swords, we love swords, don't we? Got a couple in the closet myself. The sword of the Spirit, though, is the Word of God. We have been weaponized, church. I know, it's tempting to think, oh, Christianity, we're just in this defensive posture all the time. Not so. We have been given a weapon far more powerful than bombs, missiles, torpedoes, tanks. This is a word that is so powerful and so sharp. It pierces to the heart of every single human being because it's from the mouth of our creator God himself. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, which is the sharpest weapon at that time. But in our time, you can also say it's more powerful than any Uzi, more powerful than any Patriot missile. This weapon pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's, it's like that idea of a surgeon opening someone up. You can see all the way in when you're performing surgery on somebody. You want a qualified surgeon doing that kind of surgery, right? Get in there and take a look, even at the joints and the marrow. This is the innermost man. That's where I can't go. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know the truth that, that belongs to every single person on this planet, but God's word knows exactly what we need to hear. And it's living. And it's active. So even my act of preaching the word here this morning, there's been some Sunday mornings where I preach and I feel like that was just an absolute dud. I doubt anyone got anything this morning. I'm going to go home and I'm going to, you know, I got my tail between my legs. It just, it was not my best. It was not my finest moment. You know, those are usually the weeks where someone comes up and says, that was just so powerful. Oh, well, great. It wasn't because it was my tongue. It's because it's the living word of God. That will go straight to your heart, even if the messenger is not on his A game. And that happens a lot. So this is our power. This is our weapon. Are you armed with it every day? Do you know the word? So if someone were to ask you, and you're trying to help someone address a situation in the heart, do you just start rambling off whatever comes to your mind? 
or you ask for God's help, help me remember the scriptures that I've been studying. That speaks exactly to this situation. Or you can at least speak generally enough that we can keep the conversation centered on Jesus. It's the word. It's always been the word that's been our power. We're on the offense, and Satan hates it. So this word here that's used, the word of God, normally in the New Testament, it, the Greek term logos is used. So the logos, the word. But, but that typically talks about Jesus, truth embodied. Here the word used in the Greek is rhema, which means the verbalized word, the spoken word. How do we push the forces of evil back, and how do we advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? You have to open your mouth. We speak the truth. We tweet the truth. We share the truth. We put the truth on our car and our bumper stickers. We put those stickers on our laptop. Every time we open it up, the truth is going forward. But if we stay silent, where are we keeping our sword? So powerful. But have you been bullied or have you doubted the effectiveness of the weapon that God's given you? Oh, I know we'll get people interested in Jesus. We come up with our own ideas. We come up with our own methods. Stick to what's tried and true. Still sharp. 2,000 years later, 3,500, 4,000 years later, if you're talking about the Old Testament, still good for today. And make no mistake, when we verbalize the truth, we are swinging a weapon which is why people react like we've offended them. God exists. God created you. Man and woman are created. Two genders for a purpose, to glorify God in their body, in their relationship, in their work. How dare you? That is so offensive. And yeah, it gets more offensive than that. We have sinned. We broke God's law. We've rebelled against our Creator, and we deserve to be punished. Is there anything more offensive and shocking? That's not true. It's true. <laughs> Judgment is coming to all of us. And yet we also speak the whole truth. God so loved the world. He sent a son. He sent the truth, the word, to become flesh, to live out the perfect life, and to offer salvation. Oh, yeah, but salvation is in him alone. It's not just people who try to do good or they believe something about a God. Maybe God exists. No, Jesus says, I am the only way to heaven. You have to believe in me. It's offensive because it strikes a nerve in the human heart because we're sinful. We don't want to admit we're really that bad. We don't want to admit we need surgery. We have a cancer and it's killing us. And it's called sin. The Word of God is two-edged, so it can both cut out the cancer and it can heal the heart and restore and make new. So whether you are trying to figure out a relationship with Jesus and you need salvation, you need the Word of God. You need to hear the gospel and believe. If you're a mature believer, guess what? You still need the sword because every day the sword can cut away those bits of, of cancer that might try to come back. I'm a child of God. Nope, God is good. God is faithful. And he does that heart-changing work. It's not traumatic. It's not going to kill you. It might sting a little bit. That's what we need for our soul. It's the truth. 
I would encourage you, if you don't have verses of Scripture memorized, they're often called fighter verses. Memorize a few verses that have stuck stuck out to you in your Bible study and and they help you fight sin and fight temptation and and put on your helmet of salvation. Memorize those verses. And so when you're out in the field and you're tempted and you don't have an hour to sit down and study your Bible, this is what comes to mind. And you're fighting off the evil one. You're fighting off your doubts with the sword of the Spirit. Speak the truth. Speak it in love, just like Jesus. How how we wield our sword is just important for... for, um, how we use the sword is just as important as the sword itself. Speak that truth and speak it in love. Mm-hmm. Here's the final piece. Our communication. Power of prayer. Did you find it interesting that there are more verses on prayer in this passage than all the other pieces of armor? More. It is important. Prayer is very important. Without communication to our commander, without being in touch with our fellow soldiers... We cannot succeed. We cannot take ground on this mission. We've got to be in communication. And if you think, well, maybe prayer is not quite as important as some of those other things, look at what Paul says. Look at verse 18. We are to be praying at how many times? All times. With all prayer and all perseverance and pray for all the saints. That kind of makes it sound like we should only be praying only ever, all the time. In a sense, yes. We don't stop that communication with the Father. It's true. You might not be on your knees beside your bed with your eyes closed, <laughs> praying over a list, but throughout the day, say, hey, Father, who do you want me to speak to today as I go into the store? Or, Father, I know I'm about to go here. Would you guard my heart against temptation? Or I'm about to interact with that, that coworker that's really abrasive, and I, I just know they're going to run me the wrong way. Father, you got to help me. So even as you enter that room, the temptation will probably still be the same. But your mindset, your heart is knit to the heart of God. You're seeking his power in that situation. And that's why Paul says, I need you to pray for me. The Apostle Paul needs prayer. I thought he was a super Christian. I mean, that guy, he, anytime he opened his mouth, people were getting saved. Thousands of people are getting saved. This is crazy. What do you need prayer for? He said, I'm not going to preach the gospel boldly if I don't have the power of the Spirit. I'm in chains right now, and I'm tempted to shut my mouth and just try to get out of this situation, but I know I need to share Christ. Would you pray that I preach the gospel as I ought to speak? Wow. And how often do I tell people, you know, I don't really need prayer for anything. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. At the very least, we need prayer to advance the gospel. I need prayer to say no to temptation. I, I'm nowhere near where Paul is, but still I need to have that same alertness, the same perseverance in the spirit. Because today is a new day with new tests and temptations. I'll be tempted to keep my mouth shut, and I need to walk in the power of the spirit. So church, are we praying for each other? Are we praying for all the saints? We just pray for our family or one or two friends or do we maybe have a prayer list? I was was trying to think it today and I love it because each time I make a new prayer list for our church, it gets longer. There's more people. People I didn't know a month ago. Needs that are happening right now that weren't happening three, four weeks ago, even two days ago. Are we continually praying for each other, lifting each other up, 
That's what keeps our shield together. It's not my power. It's the power of the Spirit. So we lift each other up. We're praying. We're locking shields. We pray out loud together. And that's why small groups is such a big deal. We need to know how you're doing. And we pray for you right there. This is not going to be one of those churches where everyone comes in and for an hour they share their prayer needs of, oh, I've got a bum knee or you know, pray for my great aunt niece and she's got a sore back. And, and we just talk about prayer needs for 30 minutes. And it's like, okay, well, we're out of time. Let's, let's close real, real quick in prayer. No, Pastor and I have said from the beginning, we are setting aside time for prayer. We're going to pray together because that's what brings us together. Not talking about prayer. Actually praying at all times. The same spirit for all the saints. And I've heard some really encouraging stories this past few weeks of how God is working in our church family. Through the individuals, but also through the families. Through the generations. Through different backgrounds coming together. And I think to myself, I wonder how many people have prayed for us that we might not even know about. That was a really powerful time of worship. Answers to prayer. Wow, I got to share the gospel several times on Thursday. I wonder who was praying for me. I have a really sweet season of marriage right now. Answers to prayer. I have a strong testimony for Christ at work. Answers to prayer. I've been successful in putting to death that sin a couple weeks in a row. Answers to prayer. So why do we try to live so often without the power of prayer? Each day I get up, I spend time in God's Word, and I spend time in prayer. Satan keeps telling us to shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Listen to the Spirit. Talk to God. He will help you speak up, speak up, and speak up. There are 3.4 billion people in this world that do not have the access to the gospel that you and I do. There are 7,000 people groups that don't have the Bible in their native language. About, uh, what is it, 2 billion would not even be able to hear the gospel from someone in their own people group. What's it going to take to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? It's going to take a church that's unified in prayer. And we are praying for the lost. And we are giving the privileges and resources we have to help others advance. That's how the kingdom goes forward. But without prayer, our plans are going to fall flat. I'm so thankful that we have spent time in this study on spiritual warfare. Because it reminds us that first and foremost, we are spiritual people. How's your spirit this morning? If you come undefeated, let me remind you how empowered you are in the Spirit. How much you're covered in the grace and love of Jesus. And whatever you need, the Bible has the answers for that. So I'm going to bow our heads and close our eyes. Whether you're listening online or, or here in person. If you really want to know, how do I know that I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I'm going to heaven when I die? The Bible tells us, repent and believe on the name of Jesus, and you will be saved. There's no doubt about it. Do you believe that? Do you need to put your faith in that Jesus this morning? I want to invite you to go ahead and do that, or, or talk to one of us afterwards, and we will help you know. 
that you have eternal life. And if you do, you know that you know, then let's put on our armor this week. And Lord, we need your help. We have so